Welcome to the Rainbow Room. Our podcast about writing, representation, and gay stuff. This is Season 2, Episode 7, The Inspection. Hey everyone, I'm Andrew. My name is Eric. And today we have special guest Jared. Hello. Woo! Jared is my friend through Rain City Soccer, and he also is like a big organizer of it too, right? Yeah, I'm on the board of Rain City Soccer. We're the largest queer soccer organization in the world, and we have a lot of community engagement, a lot of uh, drag queens who come out. And death drop during halftime. <laughs> Anybody who's listening, you're welcome here in Seattle. It really is a fun time. And then today we are talking about the inspection, which is about a queer guy who is um, in the Marines or trying to be a Marine and his experience. And one of the reasons we have Jared on is Jared is also a queer man, but uh, you were in the Navy. Correct. Yeah, so we uh, we're gonna get to talk to him about that what that experience was like, and then also talk about this this movie and this film. So it's a, I think it's gonna be a really interesting topic because I don't really know a lot about that world, so I'm like really excited to pick your brain. Yeah, I'm here to discuss it. Uh, I can discuss my experience and then how it related to the movie. Yes. Uh, before we get into all that, we do have a question that we like to ask all our guests. As part of our mission to paint a rich tapestry of authentic queer people's lives, we like to ask our guests, what was the gayest thing you did this week? Uh, the gayest thing I've done this past week? Um... And we can go first to give you time to think, because we'll also answer. Okay. The gayest thing I did this week is I went to this, like, underground gay party called Bottom 40. They sold out, like, a week or two early. And it was this weird, like, we'd let you know the location after you buy the ticket. So, like, every gay man in Seattle was like, who has tickets? Can I get tickets? Etc. So, I ended up, I didn't have a ticket. I went to a pregame for the event and then went to a different bar. And then at 1.30 a.m., they opened up more tickets. And then I went to this Bottom 40 event. And it was fun. <laughs> yeah. I bet you they are, they are a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um... <laughs> Uh, a lot of people in eccentric outfits. I'll, I'm just going to put it that way. <laughs> what was the, where was it located? Are you allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in Pioneer Square. It was just like a, it was actually a gallery. <laughs> like maybe it was a building that used to be a gallery. Some weird esoteric stuff, you know? Um, so it was just like far away from the gay bars, like not a normal gay bar, just a building they rented out. Um, the gayest thing I did this week, um, yesterday I had a comedy show, and before the comedy show, I went over to my friend Amelia's apartment, because she had a blouse that I wanted to wear for the show, but oh. I didn't know, I didn't know if it would fit me, and it ended up being small, it fit me, but the way we got it on is that I had to, like, stick my arms completely up, and she had to pull it down over me, and it really felt like, um... Uh, she felt like my mother and I was her daughter and <laughs> the blouse was also like white lace and it looked kind of like a wedding dress and I just felt very like maybe this isn't necessarily a gay thing it's more like a womanly thing I don't know it was kind of awesome and I felt really in my power <laughs> and I did great at the, yeah I did great at the comedy show too so that was really fun was it a pretty like feminine look was it like would you consider it cross-dressing or was it more like you made it your own manly way or like i don't know what, what would you i kind of just made it my own it was probably i mean it was still like i just made it my own i feel like i not that i want to be compared to this person but i did it in the same way that like harry styles makes like a <laughs> women's blouse like like that 
Um, I wouldn't say I like cross-dress because I wore like black jeans and tennis shoes with that. Um, okay, so like a very much like just gender bendy type thing. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. 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 What about you, Jared? You have had some time to think. I so I have something that I can share. I've been doing a Cascadia January, Cascadia Dry January, which is just weed gummies, no alcohol, staying away from bars. Why is it called Cascadia? Oh, we're in Cascadia. So the Cascade Mountains. Cascadia is uh like a region. I think it's Oregon, Northern California, and Washington. Okay, and- I'm clearly new here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of like like a California sober. Yeah. Another way of saying that. Yeah. You heard of that, Andrew? No, I haven't. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> is a um, California sober the same thing where it's like just no alcohol, but your other you can weed all the time. <laughs> just- yeah. How's that going for you? That's going great. I've that's I so I missed you at Horsey and Disco. I would have been there had I been like partying and drinking, and I would have been one of those people in a weird costume. Um, <laughs> but for New Year's this year, a group of us got together and dressed up like the Real Housewives of Seattle and went to Ivor's Salmon House, which is an institution here in Seattle. Um, they had a buffet, like all you can eat snow crab legs and a whole bunch of seafood. Um, so I dressed up like Olive. And then we have free public transportation on New Year's Eve. So we got on the bus and <laughs> drove back to Capitol Hill. And while we were driving back, we all did our taglines. Like <laughs> we were all on wings and uh, like beats it was very fun and we were definitely the only queers at Ivor seven house <laughs> <laughs> what did that feel like being um in a clearly uh gay outfit on public transportation um i mean i loved it when i'm with a group of people i do not mind expressing myself uh it can be a little scary by yourself but i mean i don't think i can stop like the way i switch my hips walking around the world <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all dress up as specific Seattle housewives or were you like dressed general housewife attire? We were all our own housewives. We all had taglines. Wait, what was your tagline? Hi, my name's Olive and I'm always serving crabs. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that's perfect. Wait, so did you make up Olive? Yeah. (laughs) What What was the full name? Uh, I, Olive doesn't have a last name yet because first I wanted to be, uh, hi, my name's Olive and I love, wait, hold on. Hi, my name's Olive and the only thing dirtier than my martini is me. <laughs> but it, the crab one's better. The crabs is great. <laughs> That's too funny. You well, have your, you have your workroom entrance line if you're ever on Drag Race. <laughs> All right, sweet. Well, thank you for uh, catching us up on your week and your activities. (laughs) Your gay activities. (laughs) Uh, Also, just another fun fact, because like normally we're all filming remotely. Me and Jed are actually sitting on the same couch right now, which is really cool. Um, (laughs) So, Jared, you, this movie took place, or at least the person it was based off of, served duty 2005 to 2010. You're in the Navy. And I signed up in 2010 and separated in 2015. Okay. And, uh, yeah, what was that, uh, experience like for you? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I guess 
I can start. One of the reasons or the reasons why I joined, I had a really difficult time coming to terms with my sexuality at a younger age outwardly. I knew I was gay from what, 12, 13 years old. And I dealt with that by kind of bifurcating the way I work or separating the way I moved through the world, realize that I needed to save money. I was living very impulsively. Like, what do I need right now? No future planning perspective. And then I just really looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, is this what you want to do with the rest of your life? Like, honestly. So I went, the, I signed up for the Navy and it really did help me out a lot. I mean, it gave me that secondary ticket for the quote unquote American dream. Not that I'm like, I mean, I'm comfortably middle class, I guess now, but I mean, I just needed to get away. Like I was getting a stripper at the time. He was not like conducive for stability and like emotional support. And then it just was like, what I just looked around. I was like, what am I doing? I'm like, not being i'm not flourishing as a pretty blossom i know that i am (laughs) so i yeah i went and talked to a recruiter they he the recruiter was like trying to sell me on joining they give you a ton of money if you sign up for certain jobs you can have up to twenty five thousand dollars signing bonus at for certain jobs if you don't get through training you have to pay it back so you get hooked um right yeah so a lot of people blow that as soon as they get it they don't get their training and then they've been uh what tethered to the military financially it's pretty insidious whoa yeah dang anyway okay so so you go you do your training and at this point you are um for context don't ask don't tell got repealed when in 2011 march April, April okay. 2011. So you joined in 2010 before Don't Ask, Don't Tell mm-hmm. is repealed. So were you um, were you openly gay or like did people know? What was this process like for you? And just what in general, even if you weren't gay, what was the process like for you? I know very little about uh, the military. So the Navy, um, they take you to a hotel. You spend the night in the hotel when they process you first in. And then you get on a plane and fly to Chicago. And then you go down into this like it's in the terminal i mean i saw people around me walking and we're all lined up sitting there and then buses just come and pick us up and take us to boot camp we get to boot camp they have a box you put all of your belongings into that box and they ship it back to you can either throw it away if it doesn't fit in the box or you ship it back to wherever you came from um i think you were i was allowed to keep my cell phone uh yeah then they put you in some very itchy cheap uh sweatsuit that we call blueberries and uh like a hundred pound rucksack and we have to like march miles to where we're staying like our barracks um and then it's very reminiscent of like a school if you went to like uh not well-funded public school Mm, that's like mm. what all the buildings kind of look like um yeah and they just make you work out make you shoot guns you have like a certain amount of time to eat you have a certain amount of time to get the bathroom which they call it a pump and dump oh (laughs) certain times to shower you had like we had five minutes to shower uh yeah did they and they yell at you a lot you said right 
Uh, they yelled at me a lot. It was... And not just you, like everyone. Yeah, and everybody. I got in trouble every morning because I would crack the window open when I woke up. And I would just, like, breathe fresh air. So every morning, one of the drill instructors would make me do, like, 25 push-ups. And then 26 on the next day. And I felt like that currency was all right with me to get, like, <laughs> a sniff of fresh air. <laughs> Surrounded by nasty, nasty unhygienic oh that room must have smelled <laughs> yeah uh no you would come up to me and you're like hey andrew i want to be on your podcast because i really want to talk about my experience being queer in the in the military so um yeah tell me more on that what was that specifically like how did that how did your identity um affect your experience there i have a very quick wit and i have a very low tolerance or high tolerance for threshold for pain i don't know what that is but I can withstand a lot of pain. So like doing the workouts and stuff wasn't an issue. And whenever somebody came at me with some slick remark, I could usually rebuttal to either make them laugh or like rip their face off and read them in that moment. <laughs> and they were going to like think again before they'd say anything to me. That's a beautiful skill because you earn their respect either way. Either they're like, oh, I like this guy. Or they're like, okay, I don't like this guy. But at least like, you know, right? they know you're not a pushover. Right. Now, did people know you were gay? Um, I don't, nobody ever asked me, so I never told anybody until Don't I Still Tell got repealed. <laughs> <laughs> was it like, <laughs> okay, um, I don't, do you think people, was it kind of like this unspoken thing where it's like, all right, everyone knows, or was it like, really, like, a, I don't know, they're treating you just like they would treat any other person? I think I remember that one of the only times that really made me super uncomfortable was this guy was following me and we were all like in formation and I was walking and he was like, why are you swishing your hips like a woman? <laughs> and I just turned around and was like, why are you staring? You like it? <laughs> and then it just like that shut it down right there. But it was like, it was really scary for me. Um, so I also went through another training process which was a little bit more intense uh i was a search and rescue swimmer so i went through just basic training and then when i went out into the fleet i was able to change jobs until i found something that really fit me and then i went to rescue swimmer school which was a lot more intense and it was i a lot more um i guess just like what basic training was but just magnified so much um that was a little scary I, I would change my voice or i wouldn't talk i'm doing it right now i can i can feel myself getting into that voice wow then, yeah you that was pretty yeah and then i would uh or i just wouldn't speak i would just kind of this like, is when you were in the new training program because just you didn't feel comfortable right or whenever i met new like if i went on a new ship if I met a new group of guys, I would allow like the waters to calm before I would really interact with them. And I would kind of suss out the situation to see what that type of person was and how, um, how I could fit into that group. And that worked pretty well for you. It did. Yeah. But it's kind of a shame that you had to have those methods, right? That you couldn't just be yourself. So I, I honestly think that I had a worse experience with some like gay officers that I thought that I could trust. And I, that like did not, I could not trust them. Uh, Wait, what do you mean? Really? Yeah. So 
the I mean grinder was around, so I was on grinder and I mean it's a base, so we're there's not a lot of us around. So I would meet people like guys off of grinder and there were two officers that I had met and we were like kicking it and we we're cool. We're not allowed to like fraternize or like hang out with I was enlisted, so I wasn't allowed to hang out with officers, but like off base it wasn't uh nobody was checking us. Um and I spent the night at, at two separate times at their house. They were having like people over and both times I woke up to a situation that I did not uh provide consent for. So that was while you were sleeping yeah and then one of them so you can get like your body is issued to the military so if you get like a really bad sunburn you can actually get in trouble if you show up with any like hickeys or anything you can get in trouble because your body is not yours it's issued to the military oh my wow so i woke up and i had a hickey from like right here just down to right here and i from your from the top of your neck to like right above your right nipple yeah that's a big hickey. Yeah. It was just like there. I woke up and I was like, uh, I need to leave right now. And I just like got all my stuff and left. Um, but then there was that whole situation of like, what do I do next? I don't want to show up with like what, love bites all over me, or I guess I wouldn't call it as hickeys all over me. Um, yeah. So that led to a very awkward situation in Starbucks where I thought that my uh, headphones are completely seated in my laptop and I'm YouTubing how to get rid of Hickey. <laughs> and my headphones were not in my computer at all. So everybody in the Starbucks <laughs> is hearing me listen to YouTube videos on how to get rid of Hickey. And I was like, oh God, why is everybody looking at me so weird? <laughs> It's like they know. Oh, sure. I um, so that was... <laughs> and then also there was this guy who was in the closet married who he was the most homophobic person that I experienced. He would outwardly say very, very homophobic things, but he was going down on me like at night. And it was very weird. Oh, my gosh. And I had to like stop that. Um, I was able to like talk to him and be like you can't say that stuff out loud like you are actually making it seem like you are gay how adamant you are being against gay people um yeah wow i mean you hear those rumors a lot about like how internalized homophobia like that leads people but it's like you actually have a real life account of that that's wild and i think i i don't know i'm i can navigate the world very well i think um unless i'm angry so i i did see it a little bit more difficult for more um effeminate gay men who are in uh especially on a ship i was on a ship with 180 people and we shared 465 feet so we got to know each other very well another thing that kind of saved me is i was in charge of everyone's life if they fell over so if somebody's gonna come at me for being the way i am and they fall overboard I mean, <laughs> I can't rescue you. <laughs> Sorry. Cramp. <laughs> oh, I'm just so gay. I can't swim out there. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if my hips didn't swish like this, yeah. I'd be able to save your life. <laughs> uh, did you notice a change when, like, Don't Ask, Don't Tell got repealed? Um, I did. 
Did you oh, change? Were you like just remembered? So my chief, so the the guy who was in charge, right in charge of me, he was my chief. Um, he was a person who I could not. He said like derogatory comments daily in the open. Um, he was a gross, gross individual. You're saying towards you or just in general? In general, he never directed it towards me, but I would always leave the room when he started on his tirades. Uh, like, would you make a point of it? Like, oh, I'm not staying for this, and I don't tolerate this kind right. of talk, and like people notice, like, oh, that was directed at the chief yeah well that was a group of us who were very like these i these were what gen xers so i'm uh like a a late millennial and then there was like more millennials who were coming in who didn't really tolerate that so a lot of people were leaving and he was just i mean who who was this guy just he was your chief he was my like boss okay okay but i mean i don't know so he would go on he would just start like giving going on tirades that were like homophobic or problematic in other ways and then we would just get up and leave and then he would be there with was there punishment for that i mean he was in charge no i'm saying did you get punished for that for leaving oh no no he wasn't like i mean you can't really have you ever seen below deck no i've been watching a lot of below deck recently and uh (laughs) eric is laughing Hey, I've, seen, <laughs> I've seen one episode and I don't really remember it, but I just find it hilarious that you brought that up. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at them, they have a job to do, but they also live together. So we had a job to do, but we also live together. So like, you can't truly like really lambast somebody because you have to be in a space with them all the time. So you have to figure out how you're going to work together. And it, I mean, I realized with him, it just wasn't worth having that conversation. Even after, even after don't ask, don't tell, cause he got worse. So yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I feel sorry for him. I mean, he was dealing with the world. I don't know. I don't excuse it, but I do feel sorry for him. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, we're going to have to cut to our break to watch the show uh, real soon. But uh, just in our final minute here, with everything you know about the experience that you had, what would you say is um, the positive change we've seen recently or what changes do you think we, you would recommend seeing recently? Kind of like, uh, yeah, where, where are we on that trajectory? Because it sounds like in a lot of ways it made your experience a lot worse having to deal with this homophobia. Oh, with Don't Ask, Don't Tell getting repealed? No, no. I'm saying the homophobia that was in the army or in the military I mean, really well, impacted you. Well, they have to, you can't recruit people in if you're not of the times and like, like societal pressure is pushed on the military because they have to get the 18, 19 year old. So if they're like, if you look at the commercials now, it's a shift away from like this good old boy, like perspective. And now it's marketing towards like Gen Z and the younger generation. So it is a more welcoming thing. We also have to remember that the military is an imperialistic capitalistic tool at the end of the day. So regardless of where they're marketing to, like you're ultimately going to be used to do that. Um, and they leverage the American dream for that. They promise you, uh, three square meals a day and a paycheck every two weeks. Um, you have a place to live. You get paid more money if you're married. Um, if you have kids, you get paid more money. So um, they take you all over the world. But it's not... It, I mean, it is... I definitely have traded a small part of my soul for that. So I'm not who I was now than who I was before I joined. At this point, we watched the inspection. 
French, a young gay black man whose mother has disowned him, enlists in the Marines. His squad discovers he is gay when he gets hard in the shower, and the instructor Laws allows his squadmates to beat him up, falsify his training results, and at one point drown him for being gay. Instructor Castro is more sympathetic and winks at him during training. Meanwhile, Muslim American squadmate Ismail deals with rampant post-9-11 xenophobia, and French comforts him. French snaps and beats Harvey to a pulp. He graduates training and is met with support from his squadmates when his mom tries to doubt him at his graduation. All right, and we are back. Uh, this is a pretty entertaining watch, I think. Uh, it, it started out really slow. Yeah, Jared and I watched it together, and I was like, that beginning, I was like, this is going so slowly. Um, but then it, I hope the, the beginning was kind of pretty. I, I was really enjoying all the cinematic choices they were making. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it thank was you, really, Jared. <laughs> um, what's the one with Elio and Oliver? Call Me By Your Name, the <laughs> movie that you famously hated. <laughs> Which you have every right to hate that movie. You have every right to hate that one. <laughs> it was giving Call Me By Your Name. It was just like really, really slow. I was like, oh my god, okay. We are like, slice of life, we get it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I did relate to the main character, French. He had to go back into the closet. I mean, I think that was pretty much highlighted in the beginning. All those queers' outfits were on point. <laughs> um... But then him having to go back into the closet, I had to do that as well. I was pretty much a very out, uh, and then I had to go back in the closet to go to basic training boot camp. So, yeah, that's wild. I remember actually, like as we were watching it, you, you the words you said were, "I wonder what this movie's gonna do to me," <laughs> because it was like really conjuring up all those these memories. Because it, it sounded like, from your point of view, they did a really good job of kind of like showing the the emotions this character was going through. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they also did a good job of in the, the beginning scenes um, Gabrielle Union's character and the main character setting up this like almost hatred that she had for him. Well, I guess I think it was hatred for who the main character was. Um, and I've, I, that resonated with me um, as my dad and not religious based, but like machismo bullshit. So <laughs> yeah. Um, Jared, had, are you, have you ever like, do you know of any other like queer representation and like movies that have like represented this experience at all? Or like, it's kind of like the first time experiencing that other than maybe being feeling seen by below deck. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, no. I mean, there's, like, MASH. You remember that show? Yeah. There was that one character who was always in drag because if you were gay, then you get kicked out. But it was just, like, like superfluous comedy. Um, Any other queer... Mil- I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head. I, I genuinely can't either. Um, How did you find out about this movie, Eric? Because you're the one who brought it to my attention. I just saw this movie playing. They did a lot of marketing for it, like in the movie theaters in New York. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. Like it's played before a lot of movies. I've been seeing, trying to see a lot of Oscar movies. So this trailer just played a lot, kind of uh, probably around like October, November time. Um, and also, I work at this theater in Midtown, Manhattan Theater Club, and we're doing a 
play right now, starring Jeremy Pope, who is the lead actor in this movie, Inspection. And everyone in our office was, like, talking about Jeremy Pope and, like, working with him. And then they were talking about, like, and this big movie, Inspection. And, like, my office, like, screened his movie to, like, all the employees and stuff. I was able to make it. But it was just, like, big hubbub around uh, my office. Wait, wait, where do you work? Manhattan Theater Club. It's a theater in Midtown. Uh, in, in Manhattan, New York. If we have, if we forgot where I live. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how, I didn't know that job. I didn't know that. I've been there for like almost a year now. Um, oh. It's a very part time. It's a very part time thing now. It's not oh, good, super good, good. my main gig, I would say. Um, so you, they're putting on a play that stars the guy who plays Ellis French. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what? it's got. Um, they're doing this play right now. It's going until like beginning of February. If you're in New York, go see it. That's awesome. It's called the Collaboration. It is a play about the collaboration between these two artists. It's a nonfiction play about Andy Warhol and Jean Michael Basquiat. If that's how you pronounce it, sorry. Um, and it's just about those two individuals working together in history. Um, Have you seen it? Yeah, it was awesome. Great Wait, so little play. So you've seen the lead of this movie live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, how was it? Yeah, he does. He was awesome. He's such a talented actor. Yeah, yeah. The acting in this was pretty good. He was he was a good actor throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I had networked after and been like, "Hey, be on my podcast." <laughs> yeah, come on, Eric. Is he actually good? Yes. Yeah, he is very cute. I told Jared, I was like, "I'm gonna meet this man, and I'm going to get with him." <laughs> you got it in. Yeah, no, he... it's a Manhattan, but yeah. February. Yeah, Eric, you have to give me his number. <laughs> Her, okay, I never spoke to him. <laughs> I don't care. Just slip it to him. Be like this random guy in Seattle. <laughs> Gary Mansell thinks you're so hot, as well as every other gay man in the world, actually. Wow! <laughs> drag me! <laughs> Wait, I'm not dragging you. Every gay man... I feel like a lot of gay oh, men think Jeremy I, Pope's really hot. I thought you were saying, I think every gay man in the world is hot. <laughs> no, I don't think that of anyone. That is... That's so mean. <laughs> I'm not a mean to. person. Uh, so another really fun fact about this movie is that one of the um, pretty big roles in this... Uh, Ismail is played by someone who went to UT who Eric and I have both met. His name is Eamon Esfendi. Uh, he was actually a shout out to our friends, Hope and Allison, who made Mr. Nice Girls. It's this YouTube web series. You should watch it. It's really fun. And uh, they cast Eamon and he plays one of the main characters, like romantic love interest. And he's great in it. And one of the um, scenes was filmed in my house. Like one of the episodes was filmed in my house at the time when I was living in Austin because I knew all these uh, film students. And so they use our house. So this man has been in my house. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, and he does a great job in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's, his character is so likable. Um, actually brought me to tears a couple times. Like the... I, this is, might be jumping ahead a bit, but that moment when like they grab him and put him down range, and then the other guy is just like this recruit refuses to train. It's just such a like beautiful moment of camaraderie and putting your neck on the lineup for someone else, and just like also like really highlights kind of like the problematic nature of everything that was happening there. It was really, and I, I like the moment that him and Jeremy Pope have too, where like uh, they hug and. <laughs> Oh, you just say, does this make me gay? <laughs> Which honestly, like, isn't that far fetched? Do you do? I feel like it's better now, but there used to be like real stupid questions like that. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that whole like no homo situation. Yeah, like people were really afraid, like that you could like catch gay. 
just so silly that's good. that was go that goes back to what i was talking about before it's like you recognize that like even though these people are parasite brains uh where no they have this xenophobia towards other individuals whether it's from uh like wiring from like the church or like conservative propaganda or whatever um it like i i people got to see me as a human and i got to see them as a human serving together so like i'm like rescuing someone's life he's not gonna he's not gonna view me as this other gay individual he's gonna view me as somebody who's like gave like saved his life yeah yeah i i was um thinking about that jared when you were talking about that with this whole idea of like code switching like you're trapped like with these like guys together and so like it sucks that you have to go through this sort of code switching and chameleon like behavior in order to get these like people to like you but it is i would say like a very like true and natural like queer experience if you are ever in like a very male heavy like area whether that be like sports and like locker room talk and stuff um yeah and so i just really appreciate what you said about that and i feel like that I don't know. I don't know about you personally, but like when I watched the movie, I felt like that was really depicted very well. This main character um, having to really just like fight for like people to like him just because like, like while he's still kind of figuring out his own identity. Yeah, I agree. That was I mean, I think I don't know if the movie necessarily painted that well when he dropped the facade in the shower room. Um, I just think when we're in the, it, it's, it's a highly survivalistic perspective that I was in. Like when I was showering with, with other guys in these, uh, we call them Christmas trees, but it'd be one pole with a whole bunch of showers off of it. And we'd be all lined up and there'd be about 40 of us in there. And I mean, I was very aware of where my eyes were. I was very aware of every single movement that I made in that very vulnerable situation. So I don't know, like the main character made the decision to sign up to the military. So I feel from that like survival perspective, it was just a little disconnected for me for him to have that as the moment of uh, like coming out. It's a very, very intense situation. You have a lot of people who are screaming at you, literally timing you. There's For me, there was a timer up in the shower that was like, you have this very short amount of time to take a shower and then to go get ready and on to the next thing. And it's also like you're, it's very, very high intensity pressure. Um, for me, the first person that I came out to during Don't Ask, Don't Tell was, it was an intimate moment with a good friend of mine. I was deathly afraid to tell him too. I really? was so afraid. Yeah. Cause it was the first person that I was like sharing this with. We had worked together for like two months though. And I remember it was under this like platform outside of a bar. And I just, I couldn't, I was becoming such good friends with him that I couldn't not tell him because it would, it was unfair to him and it was unfair to me because we also went through like a pretty intense training that we were like uh battle buddies Mm -hmm. so like i had to trust him with my life and he had to trust me with my life um when we were playing i I call it playing guns (laughs) (laughs) we were playing guns he told me this they'd be out with like these on these drills and they'd like grab their guns and he's like all right time to play guns Um, yeah, so... And your superiors did not like that. <laughs> well, they didn't hear it. I mean, I was with, like, 
it, it, it all worked out, I think, very well for me towards the end of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. But at that time, I was like, he was the first person I told. Um, and he's he's a great friend. Uh, but it was it was super scary. And then I kind of was... Which, which is wild because that kind of fear I experienced when I came out the first time. But it's funny because you were already out. Right. And then back in the closet. And it was just as scary, if not more. That's wild. And then if I made an incorrect gamble, he could have told somebody and I could have gotten kicked out. Yeah. Because I, I told. Wow. Um, yeah. And while we're talking about the stuff we don't like about the movie, um, I think a lot of... I, well, I think when you think you said it's like, this isn't real. It's very... It feels very fictionalized, very dramatized. And this is... Obviously, the experiences are a little bit different. You were in the Navy. This is the Marines. But you still seem to have a grasp on like, okay, this wouldn't have happened this way. Right. Like giving the power to that uh, little cockroach... Um, a white guy who was like putting a little squad leader. Yeah. He, in my experience, he never, they never give a recruit that power. There's always somebody who is like super professional. Who's going to be counting that. And he's going to be looking at where your shots are. Um, I mean, also there's cameras everywhere. I don't know for drill instructor to put somebody in front of a gun like that. What they did to Ismail. I, in the Navy, I mean, that doesn't happen. Uh, I don't know about the Marines. So Another big picture thing I, I didn't like was the um, kind of like what's supposed to be the whole lesson or takeaway from this. Because like the his squad, uh, what's his name? The guy who's like, I'm going to make you I'm going to make these boys into monsters. He kind of does. Like at some point, the um, French like pops off and just beats up this guy who's been bullying him bullying him um which isn't a good moment <laughs> so that's what i was talking about when i said i gave a little piece of my soul away like i'm but trained i can shoot really well i can fight people really well um i yeah there's violence it's i have violence in me that was instilled in me by the military uh, and I, I i wish the movie had given this the lens of like this is a not good thing that happened Mm-hmm. And it almost felt like it was part of the positive resolution. So what I would have loved to see the movie culminate on is, so he, he clearly was successfully completed a full tour. So he was in from 2005 to 2010. So what I would have liked to him to see, to have that actualization that he joined the military for himself and not to prove it to his mom. Mm. Because if he he joined to just prove it to his mom that he was a stand-up individual that his mom could be proud of, then he would have ultimately not done well in the military because he didn't value that uh, journey for himself, but he valued it for his mom's acceptance. And he didn't get that at the graduation. So that was the disconnect for me, where I really liked to have seen how he played out his time throughout the military and not condensing it into the just the two months that he was in boot camp. I really like that. Yeah, there's a, a really good narrative um, kind of pathway that you can lead a character on that I think works really well where it's like, all right, you have what the character needs and what the character thinks they need. Right. And so you're right. They already have this, like, all right, the character thinks they need the validation from his mom. Right. But then realize like, Oh, what he actually needed was like the validation from himself. Exactly. And you're right. The movie could have gone a little bit farther and shown that and it would have given it a much more complete arc. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I was 
at the end with that scene between him and his mom in the hallway where it's like she just it's like this complete opposite of like she's like i will always love you you're gay i can't say it. it's like it was like i understand they were trying to represent both sides in order to give like the whole situation nuance but it feels kind of like the nuance got lost and we were just kind of seeing her flip-flop between like maybe this is more so on the actress's performance i'm not 100 sure but it seemed like we were just seeing like oh i'm good and okay with this actually no i'm not at all and this is always going to be this way and it was I kind of got lost in that little disconnect there. Um, if we're going back to things that we found that were sort of critiquing about the movie. Yeah. So I, I listened to a podcast that Gabrielle Union uh, spoke on about her role. I love Gabrielle Union so much. And I think she mm-hmm. had a really hard time connecting with that character. Uh, she has a queer uh, child. Oh, and wow. It's a super, super ally, a great ally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so she, I think she just had a little bit of difficulty connecting with the, the character, which I think, like you said, Eric is pretty evident in that situation. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not an Ebert. Ebert. <laughs> Back to the things yeah. we liked. Um, <laughs> I thought it was really interesting when they, uh, they showed like the different people that he was meeting right when they were all getting to the base. You're like, Oh my God, I recognize all these archetypes of men, mm-hmm. which yeah. I thought was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. They were, uh, I mean, they, I think they did that really well. I think they showed his like, like inner thoughts. Well, I did like those like scenes. They were pretty cool. Are you talking about the fantasy scene? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely, of course. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> funny because they're like pretty over the top, and it's like, but in a good way. <laughs> and because so much of the movie is so like in this world of like seriousness and stuff, so you see his like escape to these one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I like the one drill instructor, not the main one, but the guy who like helped him out, and how, and then he was like, "I don't like bullies," and the, that whole interaction was pretty awesome. I thought. Like, oh my god, that wink! I was like, oh. <laughs> I could never tell if it was real or not, but I was looks like you recognize the actor, right? He was in Knives Out. He was in Knives Out, but he's in something else also, and I can't remember what it's from. I suppose Wait, like, the way he's in uh you're talking about the the sergeant who winked at him and yeah. there was like that scene in the bathroom. He's in looking. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Wait, who is he in looking? He <laughs> is uh the barber that um Jonathan Groff's character meets sort of towards the end of the pilot, I believe. If Wait, not, is he in the pilot? Guy? Yeah. Because he's a lot yeah. younger and looking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly where I was. I couldn't. That's so funny. Well, he looks so different. Uh, he's so hot. He's really he's hot. Very hot. He's <laughs> hot. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I loved. I know we like talk about like these like fantasy scenes where it becomes like I don't know. I love the homage to gay nightlife that kind of like moved throughout. Like there was there was like the shower scene where it became that like sort of like vibe, and then like also there was a part where they were doing sort of like the inspection, like the choreographed drill moment. And there was a moment where they were like, they show the entire troupe sort of like doing the motion and they were kind of playing like gay nightclub music. I don't know if y'all caught that. No, I didn't catch that. It felt, it was very, it was very much like, not like, Charlie XCX, but it was like very like (laughs) subtle, like, oh, like we could connect this to sort of like nightlife, like club music in a way. And I don't know, there's, there's some element of that, that, where the the artistic choices came across for me that I really enjoyed that Andrew seemed to be bored by at the very beginning. (laughs) (laughs) That, so like the uh, performative ceremonial aspects of the military that you're just talking about, I personally think that's some of the most gayest 
stuff in the military. <laughs> Absolutely. They're like twirling their guns up in the air and catching them being like all that. But also like the meticulous grooming, I think is very, it can border like what we all know is those like, we all know those gays who are very like not one hair out of place and like all of that. Um, I, I think there are aspects of that, like, ceremonial performative parts of the military that, I mean, they, they're just, they're, like, performing queer gayness, like, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like the decom cadet kelly starring hillary duff oh my god exactly like that is queer representation actually and we're doing it next <laughs> imagine being in the military and like doing the drills and you're like oh my god we're just like cadet kelly <laughs> <laughs> this is giving jared me- <laughs> you'll be back jared for that <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You uh, brought up a really good point when they had the scene where um, he like fingers the gun. Oh my squad god! That you're yeah. like, it's like this really weird. It seemed out of place to me, but you're like, no, I know what they're showing. They're showing that like it's okay. It's sexualizing violence and war, and it's all right to to love a gun, but it's not all right to love a queer person. It's all right to love like taking over or like spreading democracy um with huge quotes in there instead <laughs> of like loving a a group of people who are not harming anyone and they're just being themselves i think that it showed this like primal visceral like male need to like be that violent and a lot of queer mask individuals are not they don't we don't want to participate in that we are about ready to uh, wrap up our time here. So let's go through final thoughts. Um, Eric, what are your final thoughts on this movie? Final thoughts on the movie. Um, Marines. Jeremy Pope. Gay. Hard to watch at times. Uncomfortable. Artistic. Cinematic. I think something that you can... Uh, something that everyone can find something out of it, I think. And I think is... While we talk about it being... Not, a lot of moments not being necessarily true to life like is based on true story like based on true events so if we fudge little details like i guess that's okay um just try not to take it take it for a grain of salt i guess if that's yeah yeah i'll say my final thoughts are um it's always great to see a queer movie written with authentic experience and this is someone who was also uh in the military so uh i'm here for that I like the representation. Um, at the end of the day, it was a fun movie to watch. And uh, I thought that Eamon did a fantastic job. Hook em horns. <laughs> um, I mean, I always love any piece of media that's going to center a queer, black, brown storyline. Mm. Um, that first and foremost. I do think that it could have better portrayed the main characters like rein in and control of his life mm-hmm. um or like the decision but i really think it's a good portrayal of some of the pitfalls of a queer person a queer man or going through such a masculine boot camp uh situation before don't ask don't tell that field well sweet well thank you so much for joining us jared and thank you to our listeners thank you jared until next time bye, bye.